still harvest their crop, and the Americans do nothing to stop them. Can you show me which poppy field is yours? They commiserate with farmers having a bad harvest. Tell him I'm very sorry for his field this year, and uh, hopefully it's a better harvest next year. And in one case, they even paid a farmer $1,000 after U.S. and Afghan special forces burned his crop. Pete isn't interested in some time, or maybe, or square. If you want to swing, call him. Right now, he's got to split. He's got to find fish ready to be hooked. Victims to supply him with money for the heroin he needs today, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. Back in 2005, 15,000 Americans died of an opioid overdose. In 2015, 33,000. For the first time in our nation's history, heroin is killing more people than guns. And drug overdoses now claim more American lives than car crashes. Consider in 2012, there were 259 million prescriptions written for opioids. That's enough for every American adult to get a bottle of opioid pills. Now, if you didn't take any, don't worry, it means there are two for someone else. Yeah, oh, shit! Tell us again about how he helped you move. How he helped me Honestly, like, he's such a big black black bastard that, like, I need his ass to move. I need help. for food so that's how it all ended Back to the History Almost podcast. Uh, William is on assignment, and this week, back in the co-host seat, is everybody's favorite cowboy, J.B. Beverly. I don't know about that, Pilgrim, but thank you. <laughs> My favorite cowboy, then. Oh, uh -oh. I'm on top. <laughs> <laughs> Bunk. <laughs> uh, <Ow. laughs> 
Um, anyway, uh, so this week uh, we, you know, we're a little bit, we're a little bit flying by the seat of our pants here, and that's okay. Um, but I've been wanting to give like sort of an oral history slash sort of historical rundown of what we know as uh, Americans as uh, the uh, opioid epidemic, which if you're white and you are over the age of, well, no, I would say if you're alive and you're white, you know somebody that was affected by, directly affected, perhaps died from the direct result of what we're going to talk about tonight, which is some really nefarious, hand-rubbingly evil uh, shit, if you get my meaning. <laughs> yes, I put the fine point on it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh god but jb before we get go rolling with the actual historical um aspect of this uh tale do you have any personal uh anecdotes that you feel comfortable sharing of um some uh you know people that in your life perhaps uh that were affected by this like, honestly, like, let me just get out in front of this, too. It's like this was like a miscarriage of just not just just not justice because justice didn't really come into play. I suppose at the end, if you want to talk about it, but uh, just like it was just like a, a failure on every level of society to recognize something that was very much a deliberate attempt at fucking destroying the country <laughs> for profit. So do you have any, before we get rolling, do you have any, you know, anecdotes you think would be relevant? Oh, man. I mean, 20 years in the music business. Sure. I've, I've lost, I've buried many, I've been to more funerals than weddings. I can tell you that. And <laughs> right. <laughs> I sort of, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I've never had any indiscretions like that. I, yeah. I try to pick my battles real carefully with intoxicants, but sure. uh, <laughs> But I mean, well, my first introduction to it really was getting out of high school, man. The girl that had been the, you know, homecoming queen and uh, just the apple of everybody's eye, you know, real beautiful, intelligent, a student, down home, fucking great girl, man. And she, uh, she wound up uh, within three years of, of us getting out of high school. I was driving down K Street in Washington D.C. and there she was slinging her ass for dope, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, just pissed her, pissed the entirety of her life away, and you know, had. Uh, I mean, so that was the first time I realized, you know, that it was not only real and affected young people, and then of course, like her favorite band was Nirvana and shit. So go figure. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> I guess but, it uh, was the time to take heroin, huh? Yeah, well, Kurt died in '94. I graduated high school '95, so yeah, it was the right, right yeah. it was the right time for sure. But yeah, and then of course, getting into the music thing, and you know, I, I mean, I was really good friends with. I mean, I'm still am. I mean, really good friends with Bobby Liebling from Pentagram for a long time, and I used to, I nicknamed Great Bobby band, the Bionic. Bobby. Yeah, I nicknamed Bobby the Bionic Junkie because he. Uh, I mean, fuck, dude. When I moved in to kind of help him get his shit together to move to Philadelphia. Right. He, yeah. um, he had, uh, he was getting up every morning at like 5 a.m. He go to the methadone clinic by six. They were giving him, I think it was like a hundred and 
10, 130 fucking CC or whatever the dosage is. Right, of enough, or whatever, to, yeah. enough to kill fucking Lou Ferrigno, right? But they were giving it to him and he's all a, you know, he's five foot seven dipped in molasses, you know, bridge troll at the time, you know, um, you know, but he would do the methadone because he'd been off dope, but he would do the methadone. And then he smoked crack until he ran out of money and crack. And then he'd eat like the big Xanax, the Zanny bars. He'd eat three or four of those fucking right. things and a handful of Klonopin sleep for three, four hours and do the repeat cycle daily. So, I mean, I've, I've seen some pretty excessive shit, man. And that and just, you know, being in the, the hardcore punk scene, you know, and, you know, especially my time in the murder junkies. I mean, you know, how many fucking dope fiends you think I met in the audiences? I can't, of those even, um, can't even count them. You couldn't even count them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people are living. That's a lifestyle right there. I mean, it is all a lifestyle. I mean, like just for me, I'm from, as everybody knows, from southeastern Massachusetts, which is like definitely one of the hardest hit by the opioid epidemic. Um, The uh, wave and what we're mostly going to be talking about is like the just over medical, the over prescription of of um, of uh, over the counter (laughs) painkillers that just ended up everywhere and it's just like i can't help but think it was intentional because like there's like plenty of stories you'd see on like the here's the thing with with this as opposed to some other um high profile like attacks on society as we know it like the great replacement uh we all know it's happening but if no news channel if they want to talk about it is going to be able to get away with fucking talking about it but this opium thing or the opioid thing was like this was fair game for the news to make their bones on exposing you know so they had actually did some good journalism for once and guess why because it didn't fucking eat at the heart of you know what is pushing our society the way it is um but they did some good reporting on this and some of the things they found out was like there's there were areas like in virginia places near me down in florida where they were sending so much oxycontin prescriptions like pills to this area that there was enough to like actually medicate the amount of like prescriptions that were actually being filled in the entire country so they had to know someone at the factory had to know something was up so this was some kind of fucking i i assume that there was some sort of corruption and or organized crime involved because then we're going to get into the history a little bit of heroin because if you get into that stuff it's it's intelligence all the way down basically and fucking uh the organized crime but i repeat myself organized crime and intelligence pretty much the same entity um (laughs) but um yeah so i'm from somewhere and like i actually i gotta be honest with you like i hung around with junkies a lot like these were people i was pals with and, uh, you know, I had sort of like smoked pot with and then they got into hard stuff and I never did, man. I just like getting blackout drunk. <laughs> that was it for me, man. <laughs> like, um, but- yeah, see, I personally I, I can't handle anything that's derived from opiates uh, me either yeah if, same exact if, feelings, I, yeah. like years ago i got in a car accident i got t-boned by a drunk driver and uh they gave me the little bullshit five milligram vicodins and i remember a friend of mine going like oh man you know you you could fucking eat those and drive yourself to work put in a full day you know this is when i was young i wasn't even doing music full-time yet by a couple yeah. of years and uh it was in my 20s and 
I just remember people like laughing, going like, "Wait, they used to they give you painkiller, like five milligram Vicodins? Oh, you did you thank them? You know what I mean? Like everyone was kind of <laughs> condescending yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. But man, I would I'd eat one of them fucking, and I never did more than what it called for, the prescription mm-hmm. called for. But yeah, God you have damn, a couple man, beers was, with that. It's a good time. <laughs> no, that's just. But see, that's just it. I, I was, know, I was in pain, around. and I, I was playing it. But here's the thing: even playing it straight, yeah, doing it by the book. I was fucking useless, man. I, t- I take I, I take even a low grade opioid and like you know don't make any fucking plans with me. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it yeah, happens. Yeah. So. Plus, you get the so irritability. But, 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 but that's that's worked that's worked to my benefit because I've tried damn near yeah. everything else that's ever fallen in front of me. I just and 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 I did actually do. Um, I'll tell you if you want a good anecdote. I'll tell you a Please. funny story. I was I was in D.C. and uh, I had this uh, I had this gal I was buying weed from at the time, right? And uh, she had uh she called me up and she was like hey um do you you know anything about hash i was like well yeah of course you know? yeah <laughs> she's like someone gave me some hash but it doesn't smell right i'm afraid to smoke it will you taste test it i'm thinking like fuck yeah you know hey, you, free you, weed. Out, of, out of my out yeah. of my way little lady you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean like so so she loads it up in this pipe man and i smell it it doesn't really have much of a scent at all and so I fucking grab a lighter and just, just iron lung that motherfucker. Mm. And before I could really get a, but right as I filled my lungs yeah, with it, I realized that this, this is not hash, right? <laughs> yeah. It was fucking black tar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody had ponder off black tar as a fucking, as, as hash. And the only reason I know that is I immediately began to retch. I ran for the bat. I puked my fucking guts out for an hour straight. And I couldn't even leave the bathroom, dude. I remember moving the like, like the bath mat that she had by the shower. I mm-hmm. moved it out of the way and laid. Like, I, I took my shirt off and just laid belly cool down tile, with the yeah. side of yeah on the fucking cold tiles, man. And I remember her like begging me. She's like, she had a date coming over. She's like, you gotta go. I'm like, I ain't fucking going nowhere. You know, <laughs> you <laughs> did this to me, bitch. <laughs> I know you're gonna have to put up with me for like a little bit, you know. But anyway, yeah. So I, I, uh, I somehow, man, got off her floor. I don't remember going to the subway, stay the train station, the metro station, and uh, and then I remember like it was the scariest subway ride of my life because you know you're you're moving, you're in an enclosed space, you're fucked up out of your gourd. I remember it was the closest thing to like. Uh, you know, um, claustrophobia I ever felt. I started getting anxiety and shit, which I, I've never been like that about anything, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And then my, my guts are still turning. I felt round two coming on with the, with the, with the st- yeah. So I'm like, I gotta hold it. I gotta get off at my station. I don't, I, w- I don't want to draw any attention to myself. I just get off on, get off. And when you get outside, hurl in the bushes, you know? Right. By the time the train came to a stop, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the reflex swallow, yeah. man. Like it's coming, right? Yeah. So you look like a pigeon. My, You're doing the pigeon head exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I got my hand over my fucking mouth, man, and I'm I'm just trying not to spew chunks of the train or onto anybody. Yeah. And I'm and I'm fighting it. It's coming up my nasal passages, man. Like yeah. I so the door. It's like ding. You doom, feel the, the fucking, acid in your eyeballs because it's coming through your the, nose. The fucking yeah, right in the fucking sinus yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 doors finally swing open. I and right in front of me, man, is by the grace of God, was the fucking trash can. Yeah, salvation. Yeah, and I start fucking look. You're you're thinking, by the way, go ahead, look at me. I made it. 
<laughs> I'm, well, not even. It was just like I, I, it was just get it out, get it over with, yeah, and get yeah. home without getting mugged, killed, or arrested. True, yeah, yeah. DC is probably tough, huh? So I fucking look up, man. I'm like I'm blowing chunks like a stand-in for fucking Linda Blair and The Exorcist, right? I mean, I'm just <laughs> fucking dry even by five feet and. Just, I mean, it was hitting the bottom of the trash can so hard it was splashing my fucking hair and my clothes and shit. Oh, God. So, not to gross you guys <laughs> no, out. It's but it's uh, great. So, so, anyway, I finally get done. I look up and I'll never forget I had like just, you know, snot coming out yeah, of both yeah, nostrils. Yeah. I'm crying my eyes out by, by, by reflex, you yeah. know. And I had this big fucking water, half drool and half vomit, like come just plopping out of my mouth. I look up and there's this big fucking just gorilla sized fucking transit cop walking towards me. And I'm just, I'm thinking, what the fuck? I mean, if I'm going, I'm going, right? Yeah. I just looked up at him and I was like, I didn't do a goddamn thing. And he threw his fucking hands up and he's just like, you're all right though, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, go on, man. <laughs> he didn't want to put his fucking hands on me. Yeah. Dude. I, was, I, was that, I was that worse. For, so that's my only experience taking an intense, like, and I'm sure there's people listening to this laughing going like, you know, I, I could handle that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Thurston Moore. But, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> but my, my, my uninitiated ass, that was, that was how I got my cherry pop by like getting a good dose of opium. Sure, in my system. yeah, yeah. No, I remember one fucking, one time yeah do i dude i would i like hung out like i said i hung out with fucking junkies and i would you know so they'd be like you know they'd be like come on come on scott like you know get in on this like and that's how you know they weren't that bad yet by the way as they're trying to let me in on it by the way <laughs> although i will say this here's another observation about junkies is they do want to get you in on it too because then there's another person for you to be like you're a pathway to more drugs you know what I mean? Like it is Beyond like sort that, of an misery organism. Loves, misery loves company. If totally. I feel like shit all the time, and I like you, and you can feel like shit all the time, then I'm not as shitty as maybe I would otherwise be. Right, right. right, so. right. Another thing I've noticed about junkies too is like they are all the most <laughs> they. they they love being like, oh, this guy, he's a fucking junkie. Like about other guys who yeah. are junkies. And it's yeah. just like, I, mean, I thought I was a dope. <laughs> yeah. this fucking guy. They yeah. love it. This is the most fucking thing that they love talking about is being like, dude, you get a load of fucking day day. Day day's a fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> also too, dope fiends and speed freaks have polarizing reactions to things. And I don't just mean in the up down sense, like, sure. You know, if a, if, if a junkie steals from you, he's gone. You're not going to yeah. find him unless you know where he cops his dope. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the speed freak will steal from you and be like, dude, I heard you got ripped off. Let me help you find your shit. Yes. He's digging through your stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> dude, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck it. But yeah, so I, I like hung out with these people and like just some of the things I fucking picked up from them. Here's another thing I want to observe about junkies is they love sweets. Like they, they don't have a stomach for anything but sweets. So they're just constantly picking at candy and fucking sweet tarts. Dude, I actually, you're, you're triggering memories. So I told you when I, when I was staying with Liebling, right? Sure. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Bobby Liebling was the singer from the doom metal band Pentagon. Amazing band. Check it out. Do yourself a favor yeah, to check they, that band I'm out. In a, they did a documentary about him called last days here. I'm in the film. I was living with nice. him at the time. And um, so Liebling's favorite band when he was a kid was Blue Cheer. Right? Not even familiar with it. Okay, Blue Cheer was considered the first like proto metal band. They predate Sabbath. Okay. And, I mean, 67, 68, Blue Cheer came around. They were, they were a three piece. They were the ones that, do you ever hear like the real prog rock version of Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues? 
Like the real heavy uh, sounds like Sabbath doing it or Captain yeah, Beyond. Yeah, I know something. the song, so yeah, maybe I've heard it. Yeah, that's sure. that's Blue Cheer, right? Okay. And they named their band after Blue Cheer was a type of LSD. Okay, right? so, all right. Yeah, so, yeah. so Blue Cheer's drummer Paul Whaley and Bobby had been corresponding for years, just pen palling, like yeah. starting back in the seventies. He's like fanboy. Right yeah, Bob, well, Bobby's a big fan. Yeah, that's what I'm mean, saying. Get, yeah. him talking about, get him talking about Iggy Pop sometime. You'll realize yeah. who his man crush is, right? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. So, so, um, so Liebling calls me up one night. I hadn't heard from him in a couple of days. I was actually, I, I wasn't yet living with him. I was coming by to check on him. Kind of, I was welfare checking him a couple of days a week. Gotcha. Time. He calls me up and he's, he's still in bridge troll mode. He's talking like this. He's like, JP, uh, Paul Whaley from Blue Cheer is here and we're pretty fucked up. And I don't suppose you can come pick us up and take us for a ride. And I'm like, Bobby, I'm not. It was like, you know, like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, dude, yeah. I'm not taking you into the Oh, so you know what this means, by the way. Well, I told him, I was like, I'm not taking you into DC to cop more dope. Like, right. fuck you. And he's like, oh, no, we're, we're pretty good and loaded. He's like, well, what do you need? And he's like, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, He's like, or maybe a Snickers bar. <laughs> yes, dude. They need and candy. So, so, and dude, like, was it police truck, the old Dead Kennedy song? Yeah. About them driving through DC. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I laugh. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing the sequel to Police Truck. I'm driving Paul Whaley and Bobby Liebling, both nodding off in the back of my truck, <laughs> fucking wrecked on dope, smelling like shit, riding them through the fucking city at fucking midnight, trying to find an open Seven Eleven or Hagen Dazs store or something so I can get them some fucking ice cream or a Snickers bar or whatever. To because that, that that was all they could think about was putting some sugar in their system because they felt like such hammered shit from banging dope all day. So true. So dude. yeah, if you could, if you can imagine that, just imagine me and Liebling and fucking Paul Whaley driving around DC at eleven o'clock. And like, not to cop dope or do anything illicit to yeah. find some fucking bona fide fructose sweet man. treats for, for, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah fucking great. and i will say too it's it's true though because i when i was bad with the drinking and i and i also some of my anecdotes about fucking junkies is when i was in detox with the junkies by the way but when i was real sick in the tummy tum tums with the with the drink drinks uh candy that's all i ate basically and nothing not much either i mostly was most of my caloric intake was fucking booze my face was like gaunt and then I, by the way i gained a bunch of weight after i quit drinking by the way because i was like i need sugar fucking because booze <laughs> is carbs baby <laughs> um but uh, I digress. Anyway, another thing is um, one of the junkies I used to be friends with, he used to every time, because this is the other thing, when you know junkies, they're always in and out of getting sober, and then they're not, and then they're they're off fucking up. I'm serious up. this time. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how many times we would hear from fucking this guy. I'm just going to say his nickname was Day Day. I'm not going to say anything else about his name. But uh, he uh, he would always be like, Soba Cobra, dude. Soba Cobra. I'm six weeks Soba Cobra. So now every I Soba Cobra. <laughs> Right. Was, fucking, was he from South Amboy, New Jersey? No, he's from fucking <laughs> fucking uh, Boston. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm joking. It was it was your accent there. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. Uh, but I still say sober cobra. Whenever like I'm fucking, someone asks me if I'm uh, fucking gonna have if I'm going to a at a, a gathering or whatever, and there's beer, and they ask me if I want one, I always go sober cobra, dude. Sober cobra. Sober cobra, dude. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, man, I missed. It. He's dead, by the way. I should mention. Um, you don't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Poor Day Day. Yeah. F. 
Um, but yeah, dude, so many people, like legitimately, like kids I was in like elementary school with and was like friends with and shit, they're just gone, man. And it's like, it's really sad because like nobody gives a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, literally, like, if you try to make a stink about it, it's just like, you literally, there's, I I watched a bunch of documentaries today, kind of half watch, half listen to, but I, about, like, the opioid epidemic and whatever, and literally all of them have to take the time to be like, oh, and by the way, it was so awful that nobody cared about the crack epidemic, and then black people are better, and then now we care about, it's like, dude, first of all, if you're trying to say uh, you only care about this because their people are white now, yes. Secondly, um, it's, there's a substantive fucking difference between people who are tricked into fucking getting addicted by addicted to fucking legal drugs that their doctor told them they should take, and then uh, ending up on a slippery slope to fucking street drugs and just crack. <laughs> There's a pretty well, fucking to, substantive to, to make, difference. To, to make a cheap semantic joke, I, I, I've never heard any of the black folks I've known admit to being addicted to heroin, but I have met some heroin addicts. Heroin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, there was like one or two, and when I was in the detox, it was primarily, here's the thing. This is like, this is, I mean, like, I'm sorry, forgive me for having an affinity towards this sort of tragedy, but I mean, I was in fucking detox. It was me and one other guy who was in there for fucking drinking. By the way, he was a fucking, um, he worked in finance and he listened to Opie and Anthony. So we were just fucking, he wasn't Jewish though. Chill. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but uh, and then everyone else was almost everyone. There's a couple black guys, uh, a black lady, and then also um, everyone else was a roofer, an electrician, a fucking plumber, a fucking what have you, elect you know all this shit. And it's like, oh, what happened? Oh, they fell off the roof. They yep, ended up fuck getting my fucking back up, fuck my neck up, fuck my up life up. Cut me off the pills, and now I'm doing the skag. Yeah, yeah. I see it all the fucking time. <laughs> It's fucking, yeah. and here's the thing. Well, let's, before we get to all that, before we get to all that, making good time here, um, fucking, uh, let's go with the actual origin of the use of heroin illicitly in- Doesn't a, it go to, oh, illicitly. I was going to say, if you want to talk history, I thought it goes back to like ancient China or some shit. Right, it? For sure it does. Yeah. But in America, at least let's do the American history of it. Cause so, um, in the 1800s, uh, I believe German scientists, um, figured out how to make morphine um and it was used and also just also consider the fact that this was when war was becoming industrial so uh it it became a toolbox a tool in the toolbox of fucking all-out war that would that what we were building towards in world war one you know um and as a result morphine was widely used in um in the civil war uh, in America, of course. And because of that, it became fucking widespread all over the fucking country because uh, these guys would come back from, you know, getting their fucking limbs blown off for nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, and they'd come home. Like, it's literally the stare. Ever since then, every war has had this phenomenon, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fucking, again, another fucking thing where the people who rule us just fucking, it's a, just a, a fucking calculated risk they're willing to take is they're inflicting this fucking disease on uh, people who they just used up and fucking use like cattle and fucking and uh, cannon fodder. Uh, 
Um, but anyway, so it became pretty popular uh, after uh, the Civil War. And like housewives got into it, actually. I can under, kind of understand because uh, it's probably pretty boring being a housewife in those days. But um, and uh, <laughs> it also was sold in the form of patent medicine, which is where everybody knows Coca-Cola comes from. Coca-Cola is a patent medicine and it had uh, coke, uh, cocaine in it. And uh, I believe in one of its original formulations had heroin in it as well. <laughs> I knew about the cocaine, the coca leaf extract being in there. I didn't I didn't know about any other. Uh, yeah, I think it, it was just I, I think initially it was like, oh, they will just put whatever we can that gets you fucked up in it kind of thing. You know what I mean? I can't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. If it works, well, if it works, it works. Put well, everything in there but the kitchen sink. <laughs> in the late 1800s, though. The Germans were looking for a way because more so morphine had just spread across the world as this addictive, you know, scourge, the scourge that it is, by the way. And they were like, let's figure out a way to make this cleaner and less, hopefully, as a result, less addictive. And um, they the Bayer Corporation. Yes, that Bayer Corporation. Um, they uh, developed the first uh, branded product, heroin. Um, and it was named thusly because it was uh, heroic in German, which everybody knows Bayer is a, is a German company. Um, and uh, and it was kind of like heralded, forgive the uh, sort of uh, allusion to the heroicness, but uh, as like a solution to the problem of people being addicted to morphine. Isn't that an interesting fucking, uh, how does time, I believe you on our show were the one who said time may not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Well, I didn't quote that, that I read that somewhere years ago, but it's certainly, <laughs> you said it to me than, for the first time I ever heard it. Fair enough. But yeah, it's certainly truer than history repeating itself in a, in a very interesting way. way. Yeah. yeah. But no, um, it's, well, it's funny. I mean, if you look at, well, I'm sure we'll get into it. I was just going to say, I mean, you want to know how protected that trade is and how much money goes into it. Look no further than, you know, military campaigns over the last fucking century. Am you know? I right? Am I right? Um, but yeah, so heroin uh, and they sold it um, at Sears for like five dollars, like a big jug of fucking heroin with a syringe that was made out of stainless steel, like bright, shiny, polished stainless steel that you it came in a little carrying case and you'd buy it in Sears. <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, though, wasn't the in the Victorian era what was getting all the women addicted, especially the upper echelon. Wasn't that laudanum? I mean, that was a yes. morphine derivative. That was the, when it was morphine, like right? Pharmaceutical yeah. grade, but it wasn't. Isn't there a difference between the cocktail of laudanum versus pharmaceutical grade morphine? Yes, there is, and I think laudanum was like is diluted with alcohol. Makes sense because it was taken orally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you drink yeah. it down, and you also caught a buzz off the liquor. By the way. Um, so that's why it became like a thing that, you know, like ladies could have, mm, yeah. mm. Um, I don't know what's wrong with lady Winchester. <laughs> she's always itching <laughs> and sweaty. <laughs> uh, my dearest Clarabelle. She refuses to bathe. <laughs> she wants sweet treats all the time. <laughs> it's fetch odd. The horse and, fetch the horse and buggy. We're going for ice cream. <laughs> 
This is literally, they've got a fucking, like, a slave, literally, with, like, they're spinning a barrel with ice at the at the feet, foot of it to make the ice cream. We go find your ice cream. <laughs> this crazy white woman be <laughs> tweaking again. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> God. Oh Lord! We're going to hell for that bit. Yeah, <laughs> we already were. Oh, yeah, oh shit! It'll be a good company. All my friends will be there. Yeah. It'll be a reunion of sorts. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so heroin. Yes, cool. So heroin is out, and it's uh, you know, it's fucking heroin. What do you want me to say? <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until prohibition uh, that they passed uh, something called like the Harrison Anti Drug Act or something. I can't recall. This is you're gonna have to forgive me. I didn't have that much time to study this stuff. So they did try to crack down on it, along with the uh, Chinese or uh, were smoking the opium in their fucking windows uh, and shit like that. So. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, so yeah, World War One happens. Where was I going with this? Oh, World War Two. Okay, also prior to World War Two, um, our friend Meyer Lansky makes an appearance in this story as well. Meyer Lansky, the famous Jewish mobster, um, who also worked for Mossad and the OSS and had a hand in killing Kennedy. Um, <laughs> He uh, was basically uh, the connection. He basically, let me say this. So uh, Lucky Luciano put together this um, coalition of disparate crime families worldwide. It became known as the, uh, became known as the syndicate. Uh, And it's referenced a lot in a lot of like old school, like TV shows, like um, that dun, 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 dun. What the fuck is the name of that show? Dragnet. Dragnet. They talk about the syndicate. And they're specifically talking about this alliance of Jewish and Italian mobsters uh, in this loose association where they all basically kind of standardized what they were going to be doing around the country. And they doled out responsibilities in each area, kind of like a mobsters union, if you will. Um, and they all kicked up to Lucky Luciano and ultimately Meyer Lansky because... Um, uh, whatever but okay here's so smack the word smack everybody knows smack is heroin um and the reason why uh it is called smack is because it's actually a bastardization of schmeck which is <laughs> <laughs> which is like a like a whiff <laughs> you're fucking joking i swear to fucking god dude <laughs> this this is source the statement is sourced. Uh, look, the uh, there may have been some illicit uh, symbols in the videos I was watching, but <laughs> listen, it, it meets my criteria of sounding right, and I and also uh, me liking the sound of it, so I'm it counts as real. This fucking day couldn't get any weirder. Jesus, <laughs> Christ. it's a schmeck <laughs> because um, you know it's like a little little like a little. Uh, snifter of of uh of of heroin and uh it's, it was so called because you know the mobsters who pushed it were jews um and uh yeah you got your fucking you get uh fucking the brain arnold rothstein uh he was a big pusher of uh heroin and uh he fucking everybody knows all the shit that he fucking got into he was down in cuba which also has cia heroin implications of course um, we got to do a whole other episode on the fucking mob, but 
I don't want to go too deep into it because then it'll become a mob show. But uh, the point is, is that um, Lucky Luciano went down at some point because uh, what would become the FBI was really hot on his ass uh, because they wanted to prove themselves. They wanted to become the FBI and they wanted to become like this, what they are now, which is actually an, a, a way for the government to crush its political enemies. It's what it actually does. You're certainly behaving like that today. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue it was always that, you know? No, that's true. Or the, if if nothing else, I mean, I don't know so much about maybe the Elliot Ness era, but I would say that from the inception of COINTELPRO on, it's certainly true because that was yeah. all strategic infiltration tactics and shit. Right, know? right. Um, and you also PatCon is just like the right wing fucking uh, COINTELPRO. They call that Pot Patriot Conspiracy. That's what it stands for. Um, but, uh, I digress. Uh, so in, in world war two, go figure, um, <laughs> uh, Meyer Lansky was tied in with the OSS and what would later become the Mossad, by the way, by the way, also just to clarify the CIA and Mossad and MI5, MI5 or whatever are all the same entities. Um, they call it the five eyes countries. Uh, it's, you know, Israel, UK, Australia, New Zealand, and fucking America. Uh, it's the Five Eyes. And they're all the same fucking organization, essentially. And they're all a criminal organization that has its own goals outside of national security of any of these countries. And actually, I would argue that they serve the banks above all. Um, but uh, in World War II, uh, Lucky Luciano was in prison um, because he got caught in a FBI sting uh I believe for we anyway got bagged for fucking prostitution, and uh, he was in jail. And Meyer Lansky negotiated with the OSS. Get this, that they would uh, give grant clemency to Lucky Luciano for him to go over to Sicily or at least organize at the time with his contacts in Sicily in the in the mafia to overthrow the Mussolini government. And that's what happened. And so also in doing so, uh, in order for this operation to go off, they allowed the FB, the OSS gave all po police, um, organizations in the country, the orders to let the ports of America be run by the mob. So as to help the fight against Nazism and fascism. So if that doesn't tell you something about the political motivations Pay of what no the attention <laughs> to that man behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> Just Jesus. saying. And again, for his patriotic duty to take down the Mussolini government, Lucky Luciano, this fucking scumbag who I should mention pushed heroin across the country, killing many, many innocent people. Not, and that's just the fucking, the heroin, just never mind the part of the murders he fucking did and oversaw, but they gave him full clemency and allowed him to move back to Italy for his good deeds of overthrowing fascism. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and Meyer Lansky got off the, well, I'm not going to go again. This is a whole nother episode with the mob. Meyer Lansky gets off the hook. The French connection um, is, uh, was the fact that Corsica processed all of the fucking, um, all of the raw base heroin um, before coming to America. And it uh, was overseen by the fucking mob. And uh, it's uh, basically all of this was 
fucking overlooked. And you could even make the case as a lot of evidence that shows that the CIA or the OSS, which then became the CIA, fucking facilitated this drug operation from uh, originally from Turkey and eventually from v- Vietnam in this, the fucking Southeast Asia, which I wonder why we were there in the 60s, by the you know, way. the thing, too. I, I, I heard that the reason that the Chinese, I don't know how true this is, but some a historian friend of mine years ago was telling me that a big reason that the Chinese became so involved in the railroad development Mm-hmm. was to funnel the dope as far into the greater territories as possible. And if you think about the, you know, now this is obviously well before Lu- Luciano and that whole era. Right. But, this is the 1800s. But, I mean, but my point is that, you know, the, the rumors were always being speculated about that they were tied into the, uh, the distribu- Asian, you know, the distribution channels early I on. In the, yeah. Can I tell you something, JB? Get ready to not be surprised, by the way. <laughs> God, here we go. But um, the people who are responsible in China for the distribution of opium was a family um, called the Sassoon family, um, the patriarch of which was David Sassoon. Um, And he was the Iraqi Jew uh, that became uh, wealthy because he married into um, the British banking families. Um, and he moved his entire family's operations to China, and he was the guy who made all of the fucking opium to the point that the Chinese got fed up with this fucking Jew peddling fucking opium to their people twice, and they had not one, but two opium wars that the British crown sent troops to repel to, to protect this guy who was peddling them fucking junk. <laughs> Talk about job security. Right? <laughs> what the fuck? This is not man. a matter of dispute, by the way. This is a matter of public record. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty mind-blowing, man. See, I don't know the, the this, this aspect the of it The deep at all. anti-Semitic lore of, of heroin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Hey, also, one oh. other thing is um, the reason the word junkie came into uh, usage was because uh, they would steal your scrap metal. I mean, it's literally it's talk about that a, I was going to say talk about a relevant <laughs> nickname. Like it's like sometimes like a hobo. I don't remember what the original etymology of hobo is, but it, I believe I it's tell you that. What is it? So in the original days of people jumping on freight trains looking right. for migratory work, they would often have shovels, hose, and other tools with them. Thank you. That exactly create, explains they, it. And they, yeah. and, they would, and they would bindle off their fucking goods in a rag on the end of their stiff. It's called a bindle stick. Yeah, bindle, yeah. So you'd take, the, you'd take the end of your hoe, you'd wrap your, your, you know, your important shit in there. Yeah, it's called your, you know, your bindle stiff. But as you'd go from town to town and say, well, you know, hey, I need somebody to come work. Hey, grab that hoe boy right there. Have a, I'll give him a job for a day. And yeah. Hoboy morphed into Hobo. Hobo. Well, get the thing. Yeah. This is That's what I'm saying. Junkie is still a relevant thing because they still steal junk. Hobo, we still use, even though they don't got any hoes anymore. They got a fucking McDonald's cup. <laughs> yeah. And a pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> and, and dreadlocks. <laughs> uh, 
That's a whole other episode. You want to talk about Krusty's? train ride? You want to talk about Krusty's? Yeah, I, I spent fucking three years off and on the rails. I've I've had more than my fair share of experiences with Rainbow Kids and the FTRA yeah. people. And you know some of the FTRA guys are cool, but I've dealt with some weird fucking street people in that world. I man. fucking bet yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, closest call I ever came to. Get I'm gonna my I'm foot. gonna go a little. I'm gonna go a little bit. Um, uh, not what the listener would expect to my reaction to this information, but I'm gonna say based <laughs> riding the rails i think that's a certified burst <laughs> yeah i mean it's back when it was safe you know, i won't say safe but right, safer yeah. do it now they got all these like infrared motion sensors in the yards i mean if you're not right, like yeah. a man I'm friends with mark nichols you know hobo shoestring he's like the biggest train ride in youtube i've known mark mm. for years and uh and Mark is such a rock star. Like, if he gets caught in a yard, like, the fucking bulls want his autograph and shit. Like, That's you know, funny. Yeah, well, when you got a million fucking YouTube yeah. followers. Makes sense. Know, yeah, he did, I mean, he got, he got air-vacked out of a train yard. He took a bad fall and fucked his leg up or something. I forget what it was, but he took an injury. He had to get airlifted out of a fucking train yard. And they just allowed it. <laughs> no charges filed. <laughs> Damn, dude. You talking about based? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Kind of based NGL, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's some Baudrillard shit, though, like where this guy in any other circumstances would be literally treated like the lowest form of fucking humanity. But the fact that he this one hobo has this, you know, undefinable, you can't, like he doesn't own a possession that entitles him to this treatment. It's what he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's an interesting uh, little, little thought experiment there. But anyway, back to heroin. Um, so Vietnam, everybody knows what happened in Vietnam. You know, they're growing a lot of fucking heroin there. Just saying, just saying. Um, <laughs> anyway, also they, people were like, they're producing heroin there and they would take it there. And, uh, you know, when they came back, their lifespan was shorter. You know, I think they did a lot of fucked up shit over that. I mean, I think pretty cold fucking take that, uh, that they did a lot of fucked up shit in, in Vietnam. But I think perhaps... Uh, the fact that there was this, the propaganda wasn't as strong like in World War II, where they got everybody jazzed up to go over there. And people were kind of just barely surviving, like, get you know, every morning, like when they wake up or whatever. So, you know, heroin is a mighty motivator uh, for when you're fucking doing something you really, really don't want to do. You know, if this promise is more dope. Um and you know what? You could even make the case that that's, in a way, uh, fucking MK Ultra. What we were talking about last week, JP, where, like, you know, all that. I mean, they didn't literally go <laughs> twisting their mustaches going, I know what we'll do. Let's uh, get them addicted to heroin and then see if they'll still fight. No, of course they didn't do that. But they got heroin. They- <laughs> okay, maybe. But that- listen to what I'm trying to the say. The accent might have been different, but, you know. Uh, no, but I mean, like, at least they saw that they were addicted to heroin and still fought and they probably went like i'm gonna write that note down okay cool i get that fucking piece of data thank you um goyim <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah what's it called so that happens and uh oh yeah so okay this is the other thing i want to talk about nixon um nixon got us out of say what you want about him I, i'm a low-key nixon fan just saying um he got low us key. out of vietnam he didn't get us into vietnam just saying um, and, uh, you know, he, he had some faults, obviously, 
Uh, I mean, also, he was definitely much a, uh, you know, pro-Israel, you know, neocon guy. It's needless to say he was part of the cabal. But you couldn't have a career if you weren't. I, yes. No arguments here. Not none whatsoever. And, and the argument can be made. You still can't. You definitely can. not I'd say more so I now mean, than hell, ever. Actually, actually, you can be their biggest cheerleader and get blacklisted. Look at Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Fuck. Um, what was I just saying? Oh, yeah. So Dixon. Um, and so. Okay, so another thing that I, um, I, I, when I look into any sort of discourse about uh, the war on drugs in general, but I did still see it when I was just looking into the whole um, opioid epidemic this this week. But uh, there's this narrative, or meme, if you will, that Nixon created the drug war so he could specifically target black people politics or whatever. And this is like a very, very prevalent meme. And I would say, yes, he did. Um, but he al- like him? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not what I was going to say. But I'm saying, I, I don't think it was like he was like, listen, Henry, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get the blacks <laughs> and we're going to get it with. Dr-. I mean, maybe there. by the way, there's literally fucking audio rolling right now. Someone listen, thinking about and yelling at the, the podcast right now being like, he actually did say that. Um, actually, he did actually say that. But my point is, it, it even if he did. Um, This is just the same tactic that is constantly fucking used by those in power, be they who they may. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting any specific people on it, but the people who are in power. I mean, look at fucking Randy Weaver. They selectively chose to enforce the fucking length of his shotgun and then they killed his family. I mean, what's the difference between that and fucking? Yeah, if you have heroin, you can't have a political movement. There's no difference. There's no fucking difference. And the fact of the matter is these motherfuckers are in power. And if you're not of with the fucking program, you're getting squashed and they'll use whatever fucking power they can to do that. Um, and it doesn't have to be specifically about Ooh, the fucking war on drugs, black people, when everything is black people, black people. I get it. We all suffer, especially now. Fuck. It's tiring. I have Negro fatigue. <laughs> 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 I don't know what was better that you blurted that out or that you meant it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I'm hearing, like, they're like, oh, yeah, where they're going to get rid of the $20 bill and put Harriet Tubman on it. And it's like, you don't want what's coming if you're going to do this. <laughs> Not only that, but I mean, the the, 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 the the overrepresentation part is what gets me. I'm all for it. Like, I mean, the way I see it, it's like this. Okay. Any group that represents, a per, you know, a percentage of the country. Say let them represent that. Let them represent that percentage of popular culture. What a concept! You know what I'm saying? Like, if blacks represent 13 percent of the country, give them 13 percent of the starring roles in Hollywood. Give them 13 percent of the record deals. Give them 13 percent of both. You can't give them 13 percent of the sports contracts because they're better <laughs> athletes than everybody else. You know, which is legit. But yeah. you know. In, in general case but, to be made there yeah no but, but my I, point is yeah, t- turn on a fu- turn on a fucking tv am i watch saying one commercial br- watch one commercial break on any show yeah and tell me if you if you didn't live in the united states and you were to assume if you were an alien say <laughs> or just if you were a foreigner if you yeah. were watching this shit in belgium yeah and you were to assume the racial demographics of, of the, the it was like 80 percent black yeah 
You would absolutely think that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. exactly. There is the old 4chan meme like um, American Christmas looks like this. And it's like just a bunch of black people or whatever. You know, that, that's obviously there's variations on that meme. But um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, well, whatever. It's where we sound like conservatives now, uh, of course. But um, regardless, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. But even though, like, dude, I was like literally just watching fucking, uh, I was like watching an old episode of The Simpsons on FX before I came up here. And there's a commercial on and it was like, TBS lineup, um, you know, it's the Friday night vibe, and it's like a black chick, and she's like, here, we're celebrating the culture, and fucking blah, 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 and it's like, okay, this is a show that's act, that's aimed at a black audience. Of course you're going to make a show that's aimed at a black audience. That doesn't piss me off at all. Right. But then it's like, literally, I don't know, I don't, what, am I even, what am I even trying to say at this point? I sound like Anthony Cumia, and I'm mad at myself well, here's about the thing, it. Though, you can even look at the quality of the culture. I mean, I put it like this. People, I was a big fan of Sanford and Son when I was a kid. Who wasn't? Okay. Well, a lot of folks don't even know what the fuck that is. He's That's true. People, right? <laughs> for real, for real, it's JB, like, no cap on God. I don't know what that shit is. That's right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, you, you look at the dynamics on the show. And, you know, okay, so, you know, Fred Sanford and, and, and his boy were, you know, junk peddlers and lived in, the, you know, in, in a junkyard. And yeah, small so business owners, like, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but here's the thing. There, there was an ethical tone to those shows where if you notice that both Fred and Lamont, at the very least, never did anything really underhanded. Like yeah. They were good guys, right? They yeah. set a good example, despite being poor, despite or being under if they did do something, they would learn their lesson by the end of the episode. There would be a moral yes. compass involved, right? <laughs> yes. But, but and, and then you could argue that fast forward 15 years, you got the Cosby show, which, you know, is most realistic sitcom ever made. <laughs> and, you know, as, what do you mean, JB? Right. So, you know, but but it's like, but nonetheless. Do you find positive. something weird about me being an OBGYN with the jello pudding and the. <laughs> All right, I'm done. But it's like, but my point is that you look at the, you look at the dynamics on that show. You had a family unit. A husband, yeah. a wife, children. The children respected the parents. The parents were present for the kids and gave them good insight and good advice and yeah. helped them through hardship. If you want to rape, like, you got to give them some quaaludes. Right. But it's like, <laughs> you know, like, I feel bad for black folks, man. If I was a black kid, like, what do they have now? Uh, you got Little Wayne. I mean, what the fuck? You know, you got don't you talk shit my on team, Kanye. My team, you Kanye got my is a team good role model. I mean, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm like, like if, 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 if you were to find the par equivalent yeah, yeah. Of no, what I Sanford agree. and Son was of what Sanford and Son was in the early seventies, mid seventies, what the Cosby show was in the eighties. What do black kids have today to be inspired by as far as their entertainment? I don't I would argue nothing of that quality. Nothing of that caliber. Of that caliber for sure. But I think both of us are kind of out of our element trying to figure out what the black kids are watching today. I don't think that we're necessarily the demographic you'd ask of hmm, I think they're all Scott watching and JB. Scott and JB. What are the black are kids that do today? And we're well, like, know, oh, well, I mean, hold the, on. The, let the, me the tell you. I hear him talk, the only thing I hear him talking about is posting shit on World Star Hip Hop. Yeah, no, I know. So I mean, like, around. that's where the culture's gone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But, eh, let's not get down that fucking hole of rabbit hole. We should talk about hair on. Hair on. Hair on. What was I just saying? So, uh, Vietnam, uh, the 80s. Oh, this is where our friends, the Sacklers, come into play. 
Sacklers. So the Sacklers are these guys. You got to say it in the voice, man. It's only I said it once. He, come on. They don't want to hear that too, too many times. It's, it, there's, I do. there's an upper limit. Entertain, entertain You're not everybody. Fine, fine. Good point. You make a fair point. The Sackler Brothers. Thank you. Was that so fucking hard? It wasn't. Um, but uh, fucking. Uh, so they're, they're marketing geniuses, though. And I, I, I believe maybe one of them is a doctor. I'm not sure. If he is a doctor, he's not like the kind of doctor who's making fucking decisions about pharmaceuticals at very least but um they uh they're most famous at least uh in the 1900s uh for um uh having uh revitalized the drug valium i don't remember what it was called before this is really immaterial but it was some other drug that had fallen into disuse in the last 10 years um, but they also knew as a side effect, it was, you know, a, everybody knows it Valium. It does, it puts you to sleep, makes you feel calm, makes you feel fucked up. Um, and if you have a glass of wine and you're a fucking, um, and you're a housewife, uh, you can forget, uh, who your husband is. Uh, really? uh, <laughs> JB's eyes light oh, up. Oh my. <laughs> um, but also, on, did, let, me, let me call my neighbor and let her know I'm going to check on her when her husband leaves town next weekend. You got, you got a doctor friend you can refer me to? <laughs> I know plenty. <laughs> um, well, I, that's why I'm asking the right guy. <laughs> um, but uh, what's it called? So they did the, they and the, they huge success by the way. They become fucking billionaires over this over overnight uh, with this success. So with this newfound money, uh, the '80s, a number of things happen. Um, the uh, the medical industry changes a lot. Um, there's the introduction of the concept of pain being the fifth vital sign, uh, meaning that you could quantify somehow this is bizarre and fucking retarded. It doesn't make any fucking sense uh, that you can, you know, you've, you've been to a doctor, I assume, JB, where they go, could you tell me your pain level? You know, that's obviously not a science <laughs> to be like, hmm, I think I'm a seven now, but I was an eight earlier. <laughs> but nobody's doing that. <laughs> but uh, right. this is when they incorporated this into the, uh, the literature, if you will. And also, another thing was the uh, Sacklers... They using a series of lobbyists. Uh, oh, by the way, their company is called Purdue Pharma. By the way, um, but uh, they using a series of lobbyists. They uh, lobbied the federal government to uh, make a. So also another thing of I'm uh, I'm assuming in America you have been to the hospital as well. And after you go to the hospital, they send you like usually a a, a piece of a, a mail, and it has like a survey that you're supposed to fill out. I never do, by the way. But um, you're optionally, you can send it back with, you know, you give your ratings one to zero, five to, to one, how satisfied you were or whatever. And the Sacklers lobbied to have a question added to it that was, how did you feel the hospital manage your pain throughout your stay there? And um, the federal government made it so if too many people just wrote none, not, not enough, that they would start deducting the amount of money that they would reimburse the hospitals for Medicare. This fucking, this is a massive, massively perverse incentive for them to overprescribe fucking pain pills. Sure. Another thing that Purdue Pharma did was they um, 
started uh, bribing doctors um, by in doing so they would uh, they for, for instance they would put on these seminars where they would pay a bunch of doctors around the country to fly all the way to like Hawaii or Florida and put them up and get them wined and dined and then present them and be like come on you guys know you want to prescribe our drugs it's fucking great everything's that you know you know you know Purdue Pharma you can trust us and all this shit and you know they would give them pens out that had their logo of the drug on it all little subliminal uh, subliminal shit oh yeah there's another thing it's also worth mentioning that this is the, the 80s or whatever, and like as I mentioned before, Vietnam and heroin was a fucking huge thing just 20 years before. So doctors were kind of loath to prescribe opiates because they were like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm a good doctor. I'm not going to just give out heroin. That's fucking crazy. Why would I do that? So when uh, Purdue Pharma brought these drugs to market, what they did was they named it stuff like oxycodone and oxycontin. So it would evoke codeine. Um, which is, a, everybody knows uh, codeine is like a much lesser opiate and it's not very addictive, by the way. But they were literally, this is literally the same chemical makeup as, I'm not sure if it was heroin or morphine, perhaps morphine. But regardless, it's fucking drugs. And they're just trying to be like, oh, we made this cute little name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like disarms people. And they're like, yeah, sure. You can have some oxycodone. No big deal. Oxycodones right. are 20 milligrams of fucking smack. Um, and believe me, I fucking, I don't think I didn't break one up and snort it and go in to watch the Avengers movie in 2011. And then just <laughs> literally the second the movie started, go... The whole movie and just snore the whole movie. And then uh, then the next thing I remember, the fucking credits are rolling. I did do that. I did do that. <laughs> but it's a cute little name because it's like codeine, right? Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Um, what else did they do? Oh, another thing they did was they, they uh, put a study out. Uh, that they put, this is the other thing, they they basically, and there's new rules, by the way, since then, that eliminated this problem, but they basically, doctors that they were paying, like on their payroll, like actually like employees of theirs, would write articles for medical journals, you know, these peer-reviewed medical journals, journals or whatever, and it would literally just be an advertisement, because it was people that they were paying to say that this drug, like for instance, they're like, oh, because it's a time release... It's a time release drug, so therefore you're not going to get as addicted to it because it releases the amount of heroin into you over time. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, on the flip side of that, you know, you talk about uh, anecdotes of, of use and abuse. An interesting one, I, I didn't know what Kratom was until about three years ago, mm -hmm. right? I knew a guy who was off and on dope and... I finally bumped into him. And it was like for the first time and the whole time I had known him, the guy was healthy and he looked oh, good. nice. And he had been clean for the better part of a year. Uh, had a good job, had a girlfriend. Like he had finally got his shit together. Awesome. And I said to him, I was like, well, where'd you, where did you detox? Like, where'd you, did you get treatment? Like, what did you do? And he's just like, dude, I didn't have to do any of that. So what do you mean? He goes, I discovered Kratom. Yeah. And he told me point blank. I mean, this guy had, you know, a pretty hardy habit that he'd been nursing for 15, 16 years. And he discovered Kratom and 
without having to check into an outpatient, certainly without having to go to an inpatient, without having to have any kind of intervention, counseling, waves of depression, fucking, you know what I mean? Like he didn't even detox. He's just like, I literally man took the Kratom and he's like, you know, next day I kind of felt funky, but he's like that day two, he's like, I didn't even want to touch the shit and got up and was like, I felt like a human being again. Yeah. And and he swore that, that having access to the Kratom, he's like, as long as they keep this shit legal, you know, I'll never do dope yeah. again. And it was like, and, it's, and, of, and of course, like a week later, I'm hearing, the, I hear it on the news, but in the context, yeah. it's like they're shooting to ban it, you know? Like, yeah, the FDI tried oh, to oh, ban it's, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's getting people off of off of fucking dope without sending them into the arms of big pharma and the hospital institutions yeah. and shit. Get rid of this garbage, you know? Yeah, and just for those uninitiated, Kratom is like this, like, um, like leaf that they grind up or a bean that they grind up or something that it's from Southeast Asia. And it like, it doesn't like get you fucked up per se, but like it'll, or especially not if you're a heroin addict, by the way, but uh, it'll scratch the itch you need to not get like sick. Yeah. It takes the urge to use the shit away. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is too, and after you've been doing it a while, you can wean off the Kratom in a matter of days yeah. and then you're, you're good as long as you're you know in the right state of mind you're good yeah and it's also just like sometimes sometimes people just need that like mental push you know what i mean where i'm like it's okay i got my kratom it's not gonna kill me if i keep taking the kratom you know if i need to fall back on the kratom no big deal and then they find out that like hey i'm doing okay without it because the kratom doesn't get you bombed or anything for sure no <laughs> it's like not my like heroin was, <laughs> my, my buddy was using it every day and i mean he was working a full-time job hanging out with his girlfriend going and playing frisbee golf and shit like yeah. it, it hadn't it didn't impede his lifestyle at all yeah at all it's fucking crazy man it's, and he could get like a week's worth for like 20 bucks at the time too which was crazy yeah oh yeah it's a lot like, more expensive i was te- worth that shit i was trying to like bucks. get myself to drink less by taking it but the problem was with um with that was uh it's you gotta fill your stomach you gotta take like a lot of it for it to do what it's supposed to do not a lot of it but like a surprisingly large amount of it and like my guts were messed up from drinking so i was like there's no point in trying to fucking stuff this in me you know but uh it is what it is um let's hope you've said that in other times of your life as well (laughs) what it is what it is (laughs) oh not wanting to stuff things inside yourself oh yeah (laughs) never jb that has never happened to this cowboy (laughs) um but uh yeah so uh Purdue Pharma yeah so they're fucking piece of shit um what else did they do um oh they one of the other things they did was they used for one of these these uh peer reviewed studies that they put out to say that their drugs are great um they uh used the data from one hospital and they used the data, not just from one hospital, so there's no, like, there's no, like, rigorousness in the fucking, I said rigor, in the, uh, in the, uh, like, the study or whatever. But also, they asked them to give data on literally everyone they gave any opiates to. So, like, say I broke my arm or leg or whatever, went to the hospital, but for them to reset it or whatever, they're going to give me a little tiny bit of morphine for while they do it. Of course that counted in the study. So then they would be like, Oh, did you get fucking, did you get addicted to heroin? No, of course not. Fucking, I they only gave me a little tiny ass bit, but that counted in the fucking study <laughs> as being non addicted person. And this is the, I can't fucking believe. So fast forward fucking till just literally last year, I think 2021, 
and they're finalizing this federal lawsuit against the Sacklers, they pay something like three measly billion dollars. I'm sorry, the amount of suffering you people caused is fucking uncountable. Three billion dollars, and who gets that money? I gotta assume the fucking lawyers get all of it. But the of course lawyers. they do. They're, they're, <laughs> but the lawyers. <laughs> but, but but moreover, though, man, if you think about it, is that any different than? the potential fallout against Pfizer and some of these other motherfuckers over the last couple of years. The I good- mean, look, I, well, what I'm saying is like this, they're, they're, one of two things is true. Either okay. there's a tipping point where the levy's going to break. Yeah. And some fucking, and people are just going to come unhinged and start taking matters into their own hands. Yeah. Or we're not co-signing we, this, by the way. It's just going to happen. Right, 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 right. Now, I'm not endorsing it. I, yeah. You know, it's sure fucking, you know, I, 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 you know, but, but, but either people are going to come unglued over shit like this or we are too deeply engrossed and it, it's spoiled over, by our creature comforts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, you know, Jim and I used to debate this all the time on his show, you know, and, and, you know, not so much on the show, but we had, we interpersonally, we would talk about this a lot where it's like, you know, I was of the faith that, you know, people were going to fucking, you know, let the powers that be know we're not taking your shit anymore one way or the other. And he was just like, Nope, everybody's way too married to their creature come first. No one wants to give up their fucking shit. They're not, you know, I'm going to lose my Monday night football. I'm going to yeah. lose my fuck. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to lose my fucking, you know, access to. I think to they the really overextended, though. I don't think he's writing that because like the Monday night football ain't Monday night football anymore. Monday night football has two gay fucking two gay. Oh, you motherfucker. I have the soundboard going. Whatever. Two gay black guys <laughs> kissing on the fucking on the commercials. It ain't Monday night football again. Like, they ain't your dad's fucking Monday night football. It's not ready for some football. I'm ready for some gay black guys kissing. So I, I just gotta I gotta wonder. They push so hard. They push so fucking hard with the But isn't that historically what they've always done that has made put the odds where they were? I mean, you look at the historical timeline. Uh, chill, you know, chill, push, chill, 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 chill. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to do this family friendly, man. I'm fucking trying. I'm, no, I'm trying no, to get go, you. Go, I'm go, not, go, trying go, to go, get go. you and I both killed. Okay, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I am with the kids getting their dicks cut off and shit. At some point, I gotta. I gotta think they're overextending, man. That's what I'm saying. I'm fucking. But see that that you're tying, you're feeding my my point. I am. That's I, what am. I, meant. That's, yeah, no, I completely but, but, agree with you. <laughs> but this is but, that, but this is exactly what I meant when I I'll put it to you like this. I know better than to. I'm not deluded enough to think that by raising my voice or God forbid anything worse, it would make a difference. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. you know who the fuck am I? But th- there are people, man, with influence that have that no politicians, that no lawyers, that you know. And I'm not talking about corrupt people, but legit f- family people, yeah. that you know, decent people. Yeah. You you would think, man, like at what point do do those people? snap it's gonna be a mighty sound when they do it's gonna dude it's gonna be the shot heard around the fucking world and i'm not talking about gunplay no way you know what i'm saying i'm i'm saying like the like the (laughs) let me let me phrase it differently it's gonna be the the snapping the the, it'll be the rubber band that gives way that you can hear from across the continents right it's just been stretched so thin that finally it goes 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised, man, you know, you're, you're over here rattling off this, this timeline history of, of the opioid trade and, and the, and the cultivation within culture and stuff as, yeah. as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm drawing parallels to the last two years. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Like you, like you said, practically it's, it's right out of the same manual. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's and, missing and, is and, the fuck. And, and, and you gotta, and you gotta ask yourself too. Think about this. This is how detached we are. This is why Jim may have been right about this, about the Monday night football <laughs> distractions thing. Right. Because think about it. It's common knowledge is public record that whether we're talking mrna or or opioids or, yeah in, fucking in, interchange right, right interchange at this point but it's common knowledge that in most instances these people are above the law these, these companies are above the law oh, you, yeah. you know we as a, as a civilian populace cannot there's no class action lawsuit wiggle room you know what i mean there's so it's like at what point you know i you know and if, if he's listening then you know tip of the hat to you mr goad but maybe jim was right about that yeah. because you you would you would sit back and think like i mean if it were me if i buried my son oh. to dope if i buried my daughter to a fauci ouchie mm. If I bear, you know, if and if, if I, I buried it, my daughter to getting killed by someone who got let out on bail reform. Well, exactly. So it's like at what point? I, I think the big problem is is that left wing, right wing, fucking chicken wing, as, as my late friend Pete Steele once <laughs> said, you know, free free botulism for everybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone is sort of doing the same thing, where it's like. They may have superficial surface differences in yeah. opinion and planning. Tom Metzger, but they, but, Tom Metzger but, but said it's it, well, two wings on the same bird. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, though, it, they're both saying the same thing in as much of the government will handle it. Don't worry about it. Mm. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't get litigious. Don't get pissed off. Don't don't fight the machine. Yeah. You know don't I mean? even it's, march it's, at the to, to stop a fucking drag queen story hour, dude. But see, I again, and, and I would argue that, you know, I, I think I've said this on the show before, and if I have, forgive the repetition, but it bears repeating. I, I have one phrase that I did coin politically about this mess is I call it Frankenstein's monster syndrome, where you can't find this thing that you want organically. So you take a piece from this over here, a piece mm. from that over there. You patchwork this thing together and you make it real by way of, of just drawing from the right sources. You, you put the fucking bolts in its neck and you run the fucking wires and sooner or later that lightning bolt hits and it's alive. It's alive. Right. <laughs> and then you're up shit's Creek. I think that's going to be the, the, the exercise in futility on their part. I think they want so bad to have this fucking monster mm. that when they finally put the, the rest of these pieces together and juice it up, Mm -hmm. I think they're not going to know what fucking hit them. No. No, I don't either. I'll just leave that right there. And also, JB, I got a one one serious question for you. Are you ready for some football? I'm ready for everything. <laughs> anything. No, I, deal um, venomous, I deal with venomous snakes every day, dude. I, I don't expect to be here tomorrow. People yeah. wonder, like, how the fuck can you smile? I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can do it, brother. <laughs> That's why. Yeah.
I got reason to smile. I'm still fucking here. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> do you want to get any more heroin? I mean, like, I could literally talk all day about my junkie, about my junkie stories, but like junkie stories, because like these are my friends, man. Like, shout out. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna say nicknames here. <laughs> fucking emails. Emails is gone. Fucking. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, I, I I only know their real names. But oh, here's something I should mention. Before we get out of here, it's worth mentioning that, you know, 2000, in the year 2000, um, fucking the Taliban was in charge of Afghanistan. They cease all production of poppies in the entire country of Afghanistan. And we hightailed it right out there, Bro, boy. Bro, am I fucking saying? <laughs> like, I got, I there's this guy I know, shout out Jonathan, who I used to call uh, my my one black friend. Um, and, uh, he, uh, I, I gotta connect, reconnect with him. Honestly, I, I, he lives up in New Hampshire and I actually fucking didn't have time to meet up with him last time. I feel bad, but Jonathan and I were rap. I'm like, was the only person in our friend group who wanted to hear war stories. Cause he was over, he did fucking three tours over one in Iraq and two in Afghanistan. Yeah. And he's told me I was the only person who fucking gave a shit, by the way, um, but uh, he uh, told me that both of the times he was in Afghanistan, bro, the entire th- time he was there guarding poppy fields. Why does the U.S. military got to guard poppy fields? Unless the U.S. military and or the U.S. government, federal government, <clears throat> CIA, uh, fucking was trafficking drugs to America or whoever. Fuck America. Anywhere. I forget who it was, but back when George H.W. Bush was president. Yeah. Somebody on the fucking Senate floor, and if anybody knows, I don't know. Do you offer a comment section when these shows get posted? Uh, in there is a comments on Spotify, or they could do on Telegram or yeah, something. Yeah, pop right? into like, our t.me slash almost chat. If anybody, yeah, there you go, plug it. If anybody <laughs> knows the answer to this, somebody referred and got scolded for it, if I remember, and it kind of got buried. I haven't heard about it since, but I remember seeing it when I was young. Yeah referred to to because you know george hw bush was a big wig in the cia mm-hmm. and this might have killed kennedy that phase that phase of the opium stuff was happening mm-hmm. right that was when it was all getting ramped up and somebody referred to h-dub as the fucking richest drug dealer in the western hemisphere uh, let's google this let's google this george hw bush richest drug, drug dealer just see what comes up they they fucking gold wash this. It ain't here. Yeah, exactly. The gold washed. <laughs> That's what I call it on Wikipedia when they change the history. But I, but I remember. I, I but I remember because I, I you know I was a kid, man. But I remember thinking like, why would somebody say that about our own president? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was shocking to me because I was fucking. fucking naive I ran and contra, young. bro. Dude, that's a, that's an episode you ought to have. Oh, me I, know. I know a guy. That, I, I know. I know a guy that worked under North. I've heard stories that would fucking blow your. It's mind. done. You're in. You're in. It's happening. Um, but you know, yeah, I got an old. I got an old. I got an old fucking devil dog bro of mine that uh, he worked. That he answered to Ollie back during all that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to say that. But fucking. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I just it just seems fucking blatantly obvious to me that uh, the Afghanistan thing. And by the way, also worth mentioning, now we're out of Afghanistan. Why is that? Well, we don't need fucking heroin anymore because we got fentanyl from China. 
car fentanyl, fentanyl, it's all Chinese bullshit. It's coming over on uh, fucking shipping containers and it's coming over the fucking Mexican border with the fucking cartels, which is also intelligent, by the way. They admit it in the fucking stupid yeah. fucking movie that sucks, by the way. That movie sucks. Fuck Sicario. It's bad. The part where they're I'm all- living on a Chinese rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great song by the way. The Johnny. Yeah, you gotta play. You gotta play some Johnny Thunders on the outro. I am. Sure. Don't worry. We already discussed Perfect it off air. It's happening. That. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Perfect show for that. But um, I guess anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Because I mean, like again, I could just literally sit here and just go, "Oh man, fucking Day Day, fucking Beezer." <laughs> well, you know this already, but the audience, some of the audience, might appreciate it. I'm not going to assume too many people like me, but <laughs> oh but, come uh, on, stop it. I'm I'm one step closer to starting my own show. Ooh. I've hooked up with a fucking really good distributor and management person who I've known for years and I'm getting some pretty good advice. I just gotta figure out a few little nuances and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a show coming out sometime soon. I don't know yet what it's gonna be about. I, I'm I because you know I'm I, I'm so scatterbrained. Yeah. I don't I you know it's like pick something. Okay, that's the hard part, you know. Right. But um yeah, man, that and just trying to keep you know stay alive, man. I I finally have a crypto a functioning crypto wallet. If anybody wants to donate me some Bitcoin or Ethereum to help jumpstart the uh, the JB the, the engine. Next, <laughs> yeah, the, to help jumpstart the next spike on my, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be grateful if if it grows into something, I'll send you a little something back. Um, but yeah, hit me up on on the either through the the homos Telegram or I've yep. got my own channel on there. It's uh, at Orwell called it t dot me slash Orwell called it. That's what it is. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, hit up JB. Also, JB's a great follow on Instagram. He's always posting fucking cowboy shit and that fucking cute ass dog. Man, he's cute. Man, you can't, hey, little buddy, man. He's my <laughs> he's my best. He's the only thing. He's the only creature I I see every day that doesn't fucking make me want to fucking. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Fed post redacted. Um, but uh, yeah, follow JB at JB Beverly with an E Y because he's the Scottish spelling. That's uh, right. The fucking last E was free, and we kept it. <laughs> Cheap bastard. Well, fucking cheap for Christ's sake, or cheap. Ask me, cousin Grim. Yeah. Um, and for us, uh, or for me, I should say, uh, uh or wherever you find uh, the, your finer podcasts, uh, History Homos. And uh, we're also on uh, Odyssey and BitChute for video. But also, more most importantly, we're at Rockfin. That's www.rockfin that's r-o-k-f-i-n dot com slash history homos it's got this episode it's got every episode that jb has been on on the free uh rss feed and also if you're so willing you can donate a small monthly fee for access to our bonus shows which jb has also been a part of by the way um and uh all the whole back catalogs of that and as a bonus because rockfin is the greatest uh, deal on the internet um, you get access to all the other creators on Rockfin as well by just signing up to us. And you could also give us a tip if you want. But other than that, uh, T-shirts, I'm not going to give you the whole shtick, um, but it's got Uncle Ted on it. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, I got to make the shekels. <laughs> Um, history almost at gmail.com. Nobody can, nobody can pull it out of them faster than me. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> but uh, historyomos.gmail.com with your size and address. $20 for shirt, $10 for shipping. Anywhere in the continental U.S. It's not uh, not available anywhere else other than the continental U.S., but it's more than $10 shipping. Um, oh, one other thing, if I can make an please, addendum go, to, go, my, please, please, my, please. to my pitch here. You know, I've got my forge fired up out back. Oh, yeah. And if anybody wants a custom knife... I've had a couple inquiries. No, nobody. Uh, a couple inquiries based on the fans of the show, yeah. but no bites yet. Uh, I do reply to all emails. The Snake Man at protonmail.com. Uh, we can discuss making you a custom blade off the old backyard. And that is his legit email address, folks, because he—that's where I send the Zoom links to. <laughs> so he will answer right. you. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, other than that. Um, William's not here, so I guess I'll just sign off with. Uh, are you ready for some football? Cue the Johnny Thunders. Later, homos. Thank you.